to the Sports Burrito Podcast. It is July 16th, late July 16th, and as always, you got uh, Blake Brinkley here and Tobe. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on, what's going on? And we're winding down on the very exciting summer of sports we've had. Um, We're coming to the end of the uh, NBA Finals. it's been pretty pretty entertaining so far, I'm not going to lie. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, we can all say the first two games were pretty, well, just the first game, pretty boring. But it was cool to see the finals come to Phoenix. Game two, Giannis went out of control. Can't even tell. He almost damn near busted his knee the week before. And game three, game four, that's when it really picked up. And now it's tied 2-2, heading back to Phoenix for game five. Yeah, game four last night was awesome. A lot of big plays. Uh, CP3 had some issues. Um, it, it felt out of character for him. I've never thought of him as someone who shies away from big moments and seems out of control. But he just didn't look like didn't look like CP3. And it was, it was really weird. Um uh, yeah. To me, it more felt like they were playing hard defense on CP3. He wasn't getting the pick-and-roll looks he was getting in game one and game two. And also, Devin Booker was pretty much taking over the game. So, shout-out to CP3 for letting him do his thing, even though his own play suffered as a result. How, how about, about the, uh, the Giannis block? That was incredible. That is that the best playoff block of all time? Not like in terms of how it affected the game because LeBron's obviously was like like won the game, but like in terms of difficulty and how amazing it was, is that the best playoff block of all time? Uh, probably just in terms of how incredibly difficult it is to turn back like that and yeah. how – Long and athletic, you have to be to block a guy like DeAndre Aiden going for an alley oop, and also the one leg. Also, the situation they were in, only up two points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, somehow, that was, somehow that surpassed his block from game one. If that if that's game seven, he it's the best block of all time. But it's game four, so you can't really – LeBron's block was just a different amount of uh, impact. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's 2-2. It's been exciting so far. Um, what are, what are your – how do you feel like it's going to go down towards the end? Oh, for the Bucks, they need to steal one game in Phoenix. Uh, that's a must, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's going to be incredibly tough for them because – it feels like they just can't get their guards to play well there. It feels like the whole team's basketball IQ drops a couple points mm-hmm. when they play on the road. And for the Suns, they just need to take back control of the series, uh, get back to having good rebounds, of course, um, good defense, just like the Bucks are doing, playing against Devin Booker, even though it didn't work much game four. 
also um, get the bench guys involved, get DeAndre in more involved, and less fouling, less turnovers. For the Bucks, let Giannis eat. Uh, for the love of God, don't let Drew Holiday take 20 shots a game. I know he's clutch at times, but come on. It feels so, like he's consistently going four for 20 every so game. So what's your prediction, though? What's your prediction for the last three games? Last three games, I predict whoever wins game five is going to win game six. I don't think there's going to be a game seven. I'm not going to say who's going to win game five because right now the way the Bucks are playing, I can see them stealing game on the road, but also they're the Bucks. They play random. I think that this is going to be one of those series where the home team wins every game. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be able to steal a home an away game. So I think it's going to go Suns is, are going to win t- tomorrow. And then the Bucks will win back in Milwaukee. We'll have game seven in Phoenix. And Phoenix, so it'll be a close game. I feel like this is going to come down to last game, last five minutes of the game. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We haven't had, I mean, since the Warriors final with when LeBron made that block, I don't think we've had a series like that since then. That was that, you know, intense for the finals. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my take on that. Um, now now we're on the, still on the topic of basketball. Um, so, Team USA seems to be having some issues. And now not only have they lost two in a row for the first time ever, um, several players are being sent off the team due to COVID issues or medical issues. Breaking COVID containment or whatever. I know Damian Lillard's going home, and then I think Jason Tatum because of his knee. No, Bradley Beal. It's Bradley Beal. So and they're being replaced by Kelton Johnson, and Javale McGee, which are not the uh, best replacements in the world. Um, so That's I really don't. State. I'm not. Uh, I, just, I do think they're they're better talent wise than the other countries that are going to be in the tournament, be in the Olympics. But these other guys that are playing in the Olympics, the Australian team, the French team, um, a lot of these other guys, they they've been playing together all these years. When they do international tournaments, they all play together. There is no like switch. There's no the guy. Patty Mills has been playing for Team Australia for like the last three Olympics. Uh, Matisse the Bull has been playing with them several times. You know, I think he played with them the last Olympics. Joe Ingles has been playing with them. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that's been there. And Team USA, none, a lot of these guys have never played together before. So I, I worry about the chemistry uh, and them being able to execute on uh, when it comes to the actual real deal. That's always a struggle for Team USA. There's always a lot of talent, but not enough roster spots. Um, I feel like right now they have the best guys available because um, certain people are, are in the NBA Finals right now. Other people are out there promoting movies and other people are just resting because of the short um, turnaround for this season. So I think it's just going to be – I think Team USA will obviously get back on track since they have the best players in the world. Um, they really don't need that much chemistry to beat teams like Argentina or even, 
I don't know, Germany. So they just need to get back on track. What the hell were they doing sending Keldon Johnson, JaVale McGee, when you have John Morant and Trey Young um, sneak dissing on Twitter? Yeah. And and then on top of that, I mean, um, so Trey Young is upset. He wasn't even considered, evidently. Um, and I think it's because one of the assistants used to coach Lloyd Pierce, used to be the coach with um, the Hawks, and evidently they don't like each other. So he wasn't even considered to be on the team. So that's that's not good. Well, I wouldn't like that bum of a head coach either. If having an actual head coach was enough to turn the Hawks into an Eastern Conference Finals appearance, yeah. He can go fuck himself if I'm Trey Young. The good news is Devin Booker and Drew Holiday will join the team when the finals are over. And Chris Middleton. So that is good, and that will help a lot. Yeah, unless the series goes to Game 7 buzzer beater and there's going to be a fight in the locker room. Just joking, just joking. (laughs) Um, So so taking away – from basketball for a little while, to hopefully this is exciting as it's been. Uh, we also had the Euros just wind down. Um, a very, very eventful, as exciting as a Euro final can be, to be honest with you. Um, we had um, England early on with that dead goal in the first like ten, five, ten minutes, and it was first two minutes. First two minutes, we thought it was coming home. And then Italy fires back in the second half and gets that goal. And then extra time, it felt like both teams were kind of just, like, exhausted and just pushing to go to penalties. And then, oh, my gosh, penalties were just, wow. Just wow. I felt like the nerves got to the young English players. Feels yeah. like experience once won. I also felt like it was weird that, so many unexperienced guys for that moment were kicking for England. I thought that was a little odd. Um, a little error on coaching. Young. Also, they haven't been playing at all during the game. So, why bring them out? Sancho and Rashford haven't played the whole game. And I know Rashford's like a penalty specialist, but that's a, that's a lot for somebody to just come in right there. They, he should have put them in a few minutes before and let them get their legs, you know, and run around. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I thought that was odd. And then Saka, being a 19-year-old and putting him in that position to me was just very, very unfair. So unfair. Extremely unfair. What's worse, though, was the reaction that a lot of them guys got um, from the, the country of England. I was absolutely disgusted by like the way people were acting towards him that is so like terrible england england needs i know we got we got our problems over here and a lot of shit's terrible over here england needs to get their shit together because that was despicable all three of them guys have done more in their lives than any of those guys criticizing them and they're like 20 23 19 years old and 
to get treated the way they did and get the reaction the way they did after England went farther than they've gone in 60 years, I thought it was pitiful. And I was, I was, I'd be ashamed to be a fan of English football with the way that so many people reacted. That was absolutely like bottom tier Bush League bullshit. Awful. I just, yeah, I just, I didn't care. I didn't care for the reaction that uh, that England gave. No, there's been a lot of people that have been positive since then, giving them overwhelming, you know, support because of it. But the initial reaction yeah. was was pitiful. Yeah, England, um, the whole tournament acted like winners, acted like it was gonna come home. Very annoying as usual. Um, I wish they could be more humble like Denmark, but uh, honestly, I'm just glad they finally did get humbled by a veteran Italian team. It's like how many games? 35 plus games un unbeaten. It's been a while. They're very good. Top to bottom. Yeah. Very humbling experience. And I hope England as a whole learns from it. Before it, they can actually deserve for it to come home, whatever it is. Yeah, and and Donnarumma, dude, he was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I was thoroughly impressed by by Donnarumma and his uh, his his efforts throughout the whole tournament. He was he was awesome. Um, yeah, what was that first first goalkeeper to win man of the tournament? Yeah, and I mean, they trade off from a Hall of Fame legend level goalie, and then they get this guy who's like twenty years old and is going to be their goalie for the next ten plus years, and he's amazing. So Italy's got it made when it comes to goalies, I guess. They definitely um, lucked out there. Yeah. But it was a good Euro, other than the, the shameful end that England had to bring. Um, I thought it was a good Euro. It was it was exciting. We had some, some drama, some Cinderella stories, some upsets. I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, we got the World Cup, I mean, the Olympic soccer. It'll be fine. It'll be fun, too. But then we got the World Cup next year. That's I just can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. But for now, we can all bring our attention to the Good old CONCACAF Gold Cup. Yeah, we got the Gold oh, Cup. Good old team oh, US. we didn't even talk about it. Um, Messi winning his first senior international tournament. Argentina taking down Brazil. Um, Time. Let that slip, those. I watched that game. I was at a bar and watched the whole second half. It was, it was, it's cool to see. It's cool to see history. I, I, I enjoyed it. Messi, you know, one of the all-time greats, finally got what he'd been waiting on. Wish he can win one more trophy, the big one. I, I mean, Argentina's definitely got a chance to win the World Cup. That's they always have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I'd say they're one of the best ten countries in the world right now. Um, I don't, I don't. I mean, and they beat Brazil, which I would also put in that category. 
and then you know we got the European teams, but then there's other like countries that aren't part of those two like major soccer continents. That you know, there's countries in Africa that have better teams than people realize, um, and Belgium underperformed in the Euros. So I mean, there's, but, but Argentina's definitely got a shot. Definitely got a shot next year. All right, we also got UFC, which was eventful as well the last, uh, last week. Um, first of all, kudos to Moutinho, dude, because that dude is built of steel. His his face is is built of steel. I don't know what kind of if he took some drugs before or if he just doesn't have nerve endings anymore. I don't understand how he was still standing. It's his face got beat all the shit. Yeah, shout out to him for hanging in there and shame on Herb Dean for stopping the fight. Let the guy have his last 30 seconds. That <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of decision. Actually, let him go out on a shield. If he gets knocked out his last 30 seconds, it still doesn't take away from all he did with that fight because he brought, well, he brought it. He brought it. He, I thought it was – honestly, I was a little concerned for him, dude. I thought – I was a little concerned that he, he something medically was going to happen, that he was going to, like, die. That dude was bleeding like a pig. He was bleeding everywhere. I don't know. I mean, I probably would have called it, but the guy's a warrior. That, shit, that, was, that was crazy. Reminds me of, like, how Diaz goes into every fight just wanting to get his ass whooped just a little bit because he makes it more fun for him. But Matinho just would not. It's a difference for, for Diaz brothers. There's something in their genetics. It just makes them bleed off of everything. Yeah, we're getting uh, uh, the older Diaz brother um, and Robbie Lawyer, Lawler. We're getting a rematch. Um, they announced it. Yeah. They just go. So that'd be fun. Nick Diaz. Yeah, Nick Diaz. Um, and then we've got. The notorious himself, Mr. Conor McGregor, um, and Poirier, who honestly, dude, that first round was gonna be that fight was gonna be so good. That first round was so good. I'm so sad, so disappointed that Conor McGregor's ankle had to give out. But what can you do? Or leg? Whatever. He broke his tibia. But yeah, that was um, that was one of those rare fights we don't get very much this day. Where I actually, I know for a fact, them two hate each other. It's not bullshit. Like, it's not all for show. They genuinely hate each other. And you could see it when they fought. Uh, for sure. Poirier uh, had the advantage standing up. Had Connor on his back, but Connor was still fighting back. Some up kicks. Just a shame that it had to end the way it did. I was feeling the second round knockout by Poirier. Right after the bell rang, because I thought Connor gave it everything he had that first round. His leg just had to give out on him. I think that might be it for Connor. I don't know, dude. I think, no. I mean, he, he wants to fight him again, and I believe he will fight Poirier again. But I was, I was kind of like, Poirier hit more shots, but Connors seemed like they were harder. 
Like, even when he was on his back, he had a couple of those, like, uh, those air kicks, like, up kicks. One of them caught Poirier, like, right in the, the bottom of the jaw, and, like, I know that shit hurt. So, I, I mean, Connor, Connor hit him a few times that I think would have, um, Connor might have caught him in the second round, second or third round. But, yeah, it's disappointing they didn't get the whole thing. But we'll, I firmly believe we will see them fight again. It's, it makes too much money. It's too exciting. Dana White will make him go out there on one leg if he has to. But, unfortunately, not anytime soon. Connor has to recover. And by then, Poirier will no doubt have gotten a title shot. And we'll see how that turns out for him, if he can beat Charles Oliveira. Probably not. Let's see. Because, man, that that division that they play, that, that they fight in, that division is stacked. Best of the best of the best of the best. Yeah. All right. We also had All-Star Weekend or All-Star Break. Uh, I don't even, weren't really mostly on the weekend, but All-Star Break was last earlier this week. Um, we had a super fun home run derby. We did it in Colorado where the air is super thin. Balls were going really far. Pete Alonzo's a monster. Uh, I don't know what what the hell. That dude hits taters, though. He never runs out of energy. Um, I mean, after the first round I saw him hit, we all knew that the whole thing was over. He was having – it was too easy, like, for him. He was having too much fun hitting, like, being – he wasn't tired. He hit 35 home runs the first round. It wasn't tired. He's still bobbing his head to music. I, I don't know. It's crazy. I, I mean, I'm sure the Mets fans are like, where the fuck is this all the time? You can see it's not been fantastic this year, but hey, well, I mean, whatever works, whatever works. Shout out to Trey Mancini, though. Recover from cancer. Gotten, I mean, he was in the home run derby and then got all the way to the finals. And he, he took, I mean, Pete Alonso only beat him by one. So that's uh that's pretty crazy. Good for Trey Mancini. Thought it was pretty cool. Um, and then the All Star game itself. I know you didn't watch it, right? I just saw some highlights. Yeah, uh, it was the Vladdy Jr. show. wasn't It wasn't super exciting. They had fun, um, but Vladdy hit a hit a tater, and um, got MVP. Him and his dad now both hit home runs in the uh, the All Star game, which is pretty cool. Hopefully, ho- hopefully he has a career like his dad's. I mean, because he's on the it's him. It's gonna be him or Shohei is gonna be MVP. Well, it just is what it is in the American League. There's nobody else even close. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna we'll we'll get to next week talking about the trade deadline for Major League Baseball and anything that went down cuz so far all we've gotten is Jock Peterson traded to the Braves. But baseball's kind of quiet right now and we'll get to the fun part of August and September soon when baseball gets real exciting. But our favorite time of the year is coming up, the NFL season. Um and I think me and you are going to give our far too early NFL playoff predictions. Am I right? You can go first. No, I, I, won't, I want you to go first. We're going to we're going to go we're going to go age before beauty. You're you're a little older than I am. 
You go ahead. Okay. Okay, for, for AFC, uh, the division winners I have are the Kansas Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, Cleveland Browns, and the Tennessee Titans. And the three wild card teams I have are the New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Indianapolis Colts. I can probably interchange seven uh, in Indianapolis with another team. But um, I think they'll lose the division again by one game because the Titans, they upgraded this offseason, got Julio Jones, now have a three-headed monster on offense. And it should be fun to see. Maybe they can even probably get as high as the two or three seed, but we'll have to see. And in the NFC, um, my four division winners are the Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago Bears, Ooh. Dallas Cowboys. Okay, you can ask, why do I have Chicago? They have a good defense. They played well last year. They needed a quarterback. They got a quarterback. We'll see how that goes. Um, and if Matt Nagy, Nagy, however you say his name, is a fucking stooge or not. Because it seems to me he's a, he has no idea what to do on the offensive end. And Mitch Brisky caught a lot of flack because of that. But we'll see if it was either Mitch or the head coach. Either way, whatever happens, if they don't make the playoffs, Nagy get his ass out of town. Shame for Chicago if he stays. And my three NFC wildcard teams are the San Francisco 49ers. Should be healthy again. Have Jimmy G ready to go. Have the offensive line, defensive line back um, to 100%. Um, number six, Arizona Cardinals really loaded up this offseason. Still have DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Larry Fitzgerald beating far the time yet again. Got some help on um, running back. Also added J.J. Watt on defense. And number seven, I have the Carolina Panthers. Just played pretty well last year. Had some injuries. Lost Christian McCaffrey most of the year. And I think they had their guy now with Sam Darnold at quarterback. Um, it will probably be an experiment this first year, but we'll see how it goes. Seems like Matt Rule and um, Joe Brady really know how to run an offense, make it easy. And defense, um, drafted first-round pick J.C. Horn, drafted some other guys, should be upgraded in the secondary. We'll see how it goes. Okay. I do have one question. Do uh do you think that Jimmy G is um is gonna start the whole season? Yeah, when Jimmy G's healthy, he's uh he's above the Andy Dalton mediocre line. He can win games and 49ers if I was if I were them, I would rather start a quarterback that led you guys to the Super Bowl rather than a rookie play for North Dakota State, um, just let him learn as much as he can. 
And if Jimmy G doesn't perform well, well, they obviously won't be in a playoff position. Might be kind of difficult. How long do you think the leech is, though? Like, how long? Like, if they start out two and four, is he coming out? It depends on how the games go. If they score 40 points on offense and lose on a field goal because special teams fuck shit up, um, I don't. I think uh, Jimmy G has a – he's going to have a, a long leash. He, he's the guy. He's the guy there no matter what the media people say just because he doesn't bit, put up big numbers or the, the team can run the ball and not have to rely on his shoulders. I, I still think he's a good quarterback. Came from the house of Brady, house of Belichick. One um, – Bad throw away from winning the Super Bowl against Kansas City Chiefs. I'm gonna tell you what, man. I I I very much disagree. I think he's got a very short leash. I don't think you take that a quarterback that high unless you're the guy that's there isn't gonna be there much longer. Um, so I feel like unless he plays excellent, he's got he's got five six games max, and he's coming out. He's going to have one game where he throws two or three picks or throws for under 200, 200 yards, and I think they're going to pull him. So they're four and two after six games, and you think it's going to be all right to pull him? Not four. If they're winning games, if they are winning games, winning the division, no, I don't think they're going to pull him. If they dip below 500 after week four, that he will be pulled. Oh, that's crazy coming from someone that's actually watched Jimmy G play before the Super, yeah. before the Super Bowl season. Um, it's not that I think he's terrible. It's not what I'm saying. He's not terrible. He's he's the guy. He wins games. He's not, he's not the guy for them. They drafted a quarterback top five. I just don't see how he's, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy for this year. I don't believe that. Not all year. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But. So, my standings, uh, AFC, my four division winners, I've got Kansas City, uh, Baltimore, kind of had to. I'm a Ravens fan. I believe in my Ravens. So, don't talk shit about that to me. It's not bias. It's whatever. It's just, I believe. I got Buffalo in the division, but I am a little worried about Buffalo. I think there's some regression that's going to happen from Josh Allen. A little bit. I'm not saying he's going to go back to what he was before, but I don't think he can – maintain that number two years in a row, the numbers he had. Uh, and then I got Indianapolis winning the AFC South. Um, and then my three wild cards, I got Cleveland with one game behind Baltimore um, because I think they're going to be neck and neck all year. And for a while, like for a few years, that's what it's going to be. Uh, and then I've got Tennessee and the Chargers sneaking in with the seven. Um, I feel like that could be – there's many different teams that could sneak in right there. The last wild card is going to be somebody that wasn't there last year because it could it could easily be Miami. In my opinion, it could be Oakland. I mean, there's there's other teams that could fit in there. They're just – the Chargers, who I feel the best about, offense, defense, and they got a good quarterback. So, um, And then uh, for the NFC, I got the Buccaneers, the one seed. Got the Rams closely following them as the two. I got Minnesota as the three seed. 
because um, I mean they're getting guys back on defense. They're going to be healthier. Their defense is not going to be as bad. Um, their offense, they worked on the line a little bit. They got drafted a couple guys, replaced guys that weren't working. They still got one of the top three best running backs in the NFL. Kirk Cousins is fine, and then they have one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. So I think they're going to be great, especially since we're both operating under the assumption that we will not have Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform this year. So yep. somebody's got to take over that division. And more than likely it's going to be the Bears or it's going to be the the Vikings. And I just personally feel like it's going to be the Vikings. And four, I've got the New York football Giants taking the NFC East um, solely because – the, I mean, I know that the Cowboys on paper are better, on offense at least. Their defense is still very, very, very suspect. But there's always something that happens that causes them to not live up to that potential. And I just don't see them winning the division. But I don't think they're going to be bad. So I've got my three teams that are wild cards. i got San Francisco with Trey Lance playing the second half of the year. Um, I got Arizona, which them two are interchangeable with record. Um, so I think Arizona's going to be great. I do think their defense still limits them a little bit because of uh, outside of Buda Baker, their secondary is kind of suspect. Um, and then I got Dallas seeking as a seventh seed, but I think that could also be Chicago. But, yeah, I've got, I've got Dallas sneaking in and um, – an underwhelming seven seed because I think their fans expect a little more from a team with so much talent and that spends so much money on that talent. They deserve their respect a lot. And Dallas Cowboys, after all. Best yeah. have the division, say the Washington team, whatever their name is, has the best defense. Cowboys, best offense. Uh, worst team by far, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Sorry, Eagles fans. Gonna be a rough year again. Yeah, the Eagles. The Eagles are gonna have a rough. Um, we'll see if Jalen Hurts um, can play good his sophomore year, establish himself as a starter. Or if the Eagles might need to draft a quarterback in the next draft. Um, I, I really don't think they will. I think Jalen Hurts is good enough. I, I really don't think because I mean he can throw the ball. He's a little inaccurate and he's a little like run first, throw after kind of guy, but I do think he can throw the ball and he can make big plays. It's just he's got to learn consistency and do the, the little things as a quarterback. But, I mean, he's also going to be playing with an old, hampered O-line, a kind of mediocre running back, and pretty mediocre receivers. I don't know how good Devontae Smith is going to be, but, you know, in general, pretty mediocre receivers and a mediocre old defense. So, unless there's something about the Eagles that we just don't see that I'm not seeing that – we don't know about, they're going to be bad, but I don't think they're like. He's young and cheap and decent, and everyone else on their team is old and expensive. So I don't think they can afford to go away from young and cheap when they need to get young and cheap at other positions. You know what I mean? 
got to see if the Eagles are going to be a walking infirmary again with all the injuries they've had. It feels like the past two seasons. Yeah. I I think when 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 we get to about the trade deadline, they might be kind of sellers on some of their bigger contracts. Uh, like Darius Slay might be going out the door. Uh, some of their old linemen might be going. You know, guys that they just like. There's no reason to keep them around for that much money, because I think the Eagles at the trade deadline are going to only have two or three wins. I, I really don't. Th- I think they're going to be one of the bottom bottom eight teams in the NFL this year. They're not going to be very good. So, of course, we could always be wrong and have Jalen Hurts play like Lamar Jackson mixed with Patrick Mahomes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we, we don't know. And that division is the weirdest division in any sport in, in all of American sports. It's the weirdest division. Of I don't think period. it's going to be the worst division per se this year. No, worse. It's the weirdest one. Weird stuff happens. Teams yeah. come nowhere. Teams play way under or way over expectations. They have the Giants have had some weird playoff stuff. The Eagles have had weird playoff stuff. The Cowboys in the opposite direction have had weird playoff stuff. And then Washington is either excellent on offense or excellent on defense over and over and over. So. I, I just they, – they can't be on the same page. That division is just weird. So – and we didn't even mention Washington. They're, they could – if Fitzpatrick plays well, they're just as good as the Giants. Heineke. Fitzpatrick or Heineke. Got to keep riding the Heineke wave. I don't know about that. I don't know. About that. I don't know. Or the most points against the Buccaneers last playoffs. Yeah, but they also didn't, didn't know anything about him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that'd be a team that would, I'm sure, would love to trade for Aaron Rodgers. As if Aaron Rodgers would love to go from Wisconsin to Washington, D.C. of all cities. And go from a top-tier receiver to also having a, another top-tier receiver with a good secondary receiver and having a good defense and having a pretty solid O-line. Their O-line's not bad. I mean, Brandon Scherf is great, and they added a couple other guys. And so, and Antonio Gibson is fantastic. So, I mean, it's not, not the worst place in the world to go if you're a quarterback looking for a change of scenery. But, uh, I think that's all we got today. Is that uh, – you got anything else, man? Uh, like to give a shout-out to the country of Denmark. <laughs> coming back from the disaster that happened against Finland, obviously the Christian Eriksen incident, making it all the way to the Euro semifinals, getting cheated by diving Sterling, and hopefully uh, they improve and they'll be back. This podcast are huge fans of Denmark. Also, Ben Simmons, this is your one mention this week. We'll talk about you next week. We'll see where you get traded to. All right, that's all we. That's oh, all man. I have. So, uh, in Danish, thank you. Is is talk? So talk, talk Denmark. Um, yeah, and and fuck Ben Simmons.
That's our. Thanks for listening to the Sports Burrito Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all our social media, and we'll see you next time. See you guys later.